Finn Clyde wasn't a stupid man. In fact, he was brilliant. As a child, he was fascinated by reoccurring themes in nature. Why do most flowers have five petals? Why are honeycombs shaped like hexagons? Why do numbers have corresponding colors? He was eight before he realized not everyone saw the colors. Numbers also had weight. When he multiplied them, the numbers swirled in his head like a blizzard in a child's snow globe, the answers settling in his mind softly, just like the snowflakes, as if gravity were responsible for the solution. As he got older, the fascination with the patterns nature presented grew into a fascination for probability, using mathematical formulas to predict outcomes, and his predictions became eerily accurate so much so that he could handily beat anyone at chess, poker, or even games that seemed governed by chance. There was no such thing as chance to Finn. Chance could be analyzed, sliced, diced, and pegged using a little brain power. But even Finn Clyde couldn't predict that his brother Fish would get desperate, rob a convenience store with a stolen weapon, and drag Finn into the mess. Finn was brilliant, but he was also young, and he was loyal. And Finn had run toward his brother instead of driving away when Fish took a bullet in the stomach after demanding that the Vietnamese owner of the convenience store empty his cash drawer. Fisher Clyde died in the front seat of their mother's car in his brother's arms. And at barely eighteen, Finn Clyde's fortunes took a definite turn for the worse. Life had not been kind since then, and at twenty-four, six and a half years after that fatal night, Finn Clyde was still brilliant but he wasn't nearly as young or loyal, and he wasn't running toward trouble anymore. And Bonnie was trouble. She was asleep, her head resting against the window, her arms wrapped around her middle as if she was physically holding herself together. She was slim, almost too slim. She said she was twenty-one, but she could pass for younger. When he had seen her perched on the railing, arms braced, her slim form appearing through a sudden and almost suspiciously providential parting of the fog, he had thought she was a kid, a boy, maybe fourteen or fifteen, and he'd driven past. You didn't stop on Tobin Bridge. Hell, you didn't walk or bike on Tobin Bridge. He didn't know how the kid managed to be where he was, where she was, Finn corrected himself. He was heading northbound across the bridge into Chelsea. He had a stop to make, a goodbye, and then he was gone. The blazer was packed with everything he owned in the world, and he was leaving Boston, leaving it all. New start, new people, new job, new life. But something about that figure in the fog, perched for flight, whispered to the old Finn Clyde, the Finn that didn't know better, the Finn that ran toward trouble. And before he knew it, he was pulled off in a maintenance lane, trotting back toward the jumper. When she'd spoken, he recognized his mistake. The kid was a woman. Her voice was a smoky drawl, a voice so completely at odds with her enormous sweatshirt and her tear-stained face that he'd almost fallen off the bridge himself. Then she'd looked at him, and Finn saw something he'd seen on a thousand faces in the last six and a half years. Beat down, hopeless, finished, blank. It was a look he had battled in his own reflection. It was defeat. Finn wasn't good with words. He didn't know how to talk her down. He'd been tempted to throw statistics at her. He'd started to. 
spouting something about odds. Then he'd seen her high-heeled red boots, and it had thrown him. Those boots weren't the boots of a runaway teenager or a penniless prostitute. Those boots looked expensive. They looked like they cost more than most people in his neighborhood in Southie made in a week. And he'd been immediately disgusted with her. He'd even taunted her a little, thinking that she was after attention or even a thrill, thinking in minutes her Harvard boyfriend was going to show up in his beamer and beg her to come down. Something in her eyes changed as the words left his mouth, and once again Finn realized he had predicted wrong. He'd lunged for her as she let go, Fisher's death suddenly so fresh in his mind he could hear his brother.